Simon and Wayne's Spitting Review, with your hosts, Simon Jones and Wayne Bolt. Hello! Hello! And welcome to another edition of Spitting Review, with me, Simon Jones. And me, Wayne Bolt. Yes, episode two of our third series, and we're actually on schedule. Yes, it just amazes us more than it amazes you, I think. Uh, It's only going to be a short episode today, though. Yes, we are doing the usual trailer park, and then we'll be reviewing Haywire, the yes. new film from Steven Soderbergh. Yes. Before we start, a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode, episode, you can tell already, is sponsored by Whiskey Sour. Mm-mm-mm. Was it good? It was lovely. Excellent. So, number one in the trailer park this week is Seeking Justice. This is a Nicolas Cage epic. Well, I say epic. It's not really epic. No. Yeah, this is a film starring Nicolas Cage, maybe we should say. Uh, also with January Jones and Guy Pearce from Neighbours. Yes, with no hair. With no hair. Mm. First time I've seen him in a film with no hair. Um, quite looking forward to that. Otherwise it looked fairly predictable. Yes. Um, the first line in the trailer was, Happy Anniversary! And with a title like Seeking Justice, you just know when that's going to go. Yes. Uh, Nicolas Cage films can go... Either way, can't they? They can go like National Treasure. Yes, uh, and Ghost Rider, and all that lot. Or, they're kick-ass. So, yeah, I get the feeling this is going to fall into the former category of slightly rubbish Nicolas Cage films. Yes. Uh, Essentially, it's about vigilantism, murders, intrigue, corrupt cops, all the usual stuff you've seen from films many, 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 many times. Yes, and the consequences of embracing vigilantism. Yes. Um, Which is bad. Yes. So we don't um, need to go there. Main problem, aside from the fact that the, the film didn't look particularly interesting, is that the trailer showed everything. Um, I got the feeling that the film, maybe, to you know, give it the benefit of the doubt, maybe if you're watching it not knowing anything about it, it might have been quite a fun twisty-turny not knowing what's going to happen next type film. Yeah, Unfortunately, but... I know exactly what's going to happen next because the trailer told me. Even so, it just looks like the premise of the film anyway. As soon as it, if it's called Seeking Justice, and then you start with this whole, oh look, they look happily together in a film called Seeking Justice. What's going to go on here? I don't think the trailer really gives anything away. The film done in the first ten minutes anyway. Possibly not. Anyway, uh, sad face for me. Yes. Well, I had an ambivalent, nothing new face. You know, it's just nothing to look forward to. But it doesn't look particularly bad. It's just a run in the mill kind yeah. of film. Yeah. So. Nothing new except Guy Pearce's haircut. Yes. Okay. So number two in the trailer park is a film called Michael. Uh, this is very much a festival film. Yes, uh, it's one of those trailers where you're barely into the trailer and the screen is absolutely filled with those little lol pictures and lots of awards and bits and pieces and selection yeah. things. Which, uh, as you know, uh, normally means to us it's not going to be that good. Yes, it's not that festival films can't be brilliant. There's loads of brilliant festival films. But quite often when they start shouting about it in the trailer... I don't it know. means they haven't got much else to chat about. Yeah, certainly in our encounters in the trailer park, that seems to be the yes. case. Anyway, so from what we can gather from the trailer, uh, it basically opens up with a lot of spooky music box kind of music. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of German talking in the background. There's yeah. some strange meat being fried. Spooky quotes as well, yeah. like all the quotes yeah. about and how it's... A, there's a soundproof room. And uh, from, from that, it does look quite intriguing. However, when you realise there's a film about... Uh, a, a five months in the life of a paedophile it puts it in a different light is that what it was about? yes ah okay because I didn't read anything about it I just watched the trailer and it seemed to be another one of these trailers which is maybe starts out a little bit intriguing but yeah. doesn't actually give me enough to go on at all mm. so it got to the end a man opened a door and it ended so from my perspective it was a film where a man opens a door yeah. and that's about that I, I didn't mean to read the thing it was about it it just sort of popped up 
But uh, the trailer itself, before I knew what was going on, did look quite intriguing. So I've given that a sort of smiley face. Hmm, this is interesting because I put a sad face because there's just nothing for me to get my teeth into. I didn't, I wasn't interested. But now you tell me what it's about. I'm, I'm, the trailer is actually really good. And, yes. and quite intriguing and horrific. Yeah, yeah. So, once again, what are they doing with the trailer? Maybe sometimes, we just said we're seeking justice, of course, uh, they show too much. Maybe this time they didn't show quite enough. Yeah, but then, yeah, it's interesting because that little bit of knowledge about what it's about completely transformed the trailer yeah. into something really special. Okay, so that was um, Michael. Yes, uh, probably a sad face. Uh, not a sad face, that's what I gave it initially. Yes. Uh, now, probably a happy face because I'm, I'm just quite entertained by they completely changed my opinion on it in, in one synopsis. Excellent. Okay, uh, so next we have Darling Companion. I can sum this up with one sentence. I don't like dogs. <laughs> could, could that be referring to the Darling Companion? Possibly. The now, uh, the most interesting thing I found about this, uh, this film was it is actually about a dog, um, as you probably uh, surmised from Simon's brief statement there about it. Um, a woman finds a dog on the freeway, and in an obvious shout-out to the 1970s-80s American... Uh, husband and wife crime solving drama heart to heart they call the dog freeway uh-huh. oh, there you go see I do know some I didn't have to look yeah. that up I knew unlike that. Your, your Michael synopsis revelation that's not really changed my opinion of the right. trailer though. okay okay. Uh, maybe if I add a bit more to it in case you didn't really get uh, what, <laughs> yeah. what was a, uh, yeah maybe I'm missing something man no uh, woman finds dog as we just said right man then loses dog the man and woman then don't get on over the loss of the dog and then they work together to find it, and I imagine they find it. Probably not dead. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of very trite dialogue. Yes. Um, trying to be all important and using this dog as a metaphor for life. And I don't really care because I don't like dogs. Okay. Well, let me throw this fact in for you then. Right. It was directed and written by Lawrence Kasdan. Yes, I noticed that. Yes. And do you know what he is also written in the past? Empire Strikes Back. And Raiders Lost Ark. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I saw that just before I started to watch it, and this little trickling of excitement. Oh, that's probably the wrong phrase. Um, but yeah, it just looked very... like it was trying way too hard. Um, and again, could be the trailer, could be that when you pack all those you know, life-changing moments into one trailer that yep. it becomes too obvious. Well, have, have we not seen this sort of thing before with this... I, I'm assuming it's trying to be sort of a feel-good kind of family movie. Um, with, like, Meet the Parents and Meet the Fuckers and that thing which had Jennifer Aniston in it and Owen Wilson with the dog. Yeah, that had a dog in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it looked just far too cutesy and not, not terribly interesting. Yeah. And I know one of the characters, Kevin Klein's character, supposedly didn't like the dog and maybe that would give me something to associate with. But you just know that by the end of the film, he's going to love that dog. Yeah, maybe too much. Yes. Yeah, that's probably getting back towards that's Michael Terry. That's a different sort of film, okay. Um, so, I'm not going to be able to sway your opinion, because I'm guessing you're going to give it a sad face. A right? sad face. Yeah, I'm giving it a sad face too, it looks shit. Um, it looks rubbish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't quite swear, we can't swear, otherwise we lose our uh, PG rating. Really? Have you got a PG rating? Well, I would put it on iTunes as suitable for kids. Really? Yeah. Is that for the whole podcast or just per episode? No, no the whole lot. The whole podcast. Okay, right. I, I'm glad you told me that before we reviewed October Baby. <laughs> <laughs> so this trailer came out of nowhere. Yeah. Never heard of this film. I was hoping it was going to be some sort of submarine-based um, <laughs> action adventure uh, following on from The Hunt for Red October. You must have been quite disappointed. <laughs> I was very disappointed. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it starts off, it's a girl going on some rite of passage, discovering herself yep. thing, which I thought initially looked a bit pretentious in well, itself. Yeah, well, it did look like to start with it was going to be like uh, some 
fairly attractive looking girl going off on the road trip with some nerdy types. Yes. There's a lot of um, those sort of films recently. It was a little bit cheesy in places, but you know, it didn't look anything particularly unusual. And then, halfway through, you suddenly start noticing the quotes from supposed reviewers, and obviously normally you have it from like the New York Times and Empire Magazine and this kind of stuff. Um, and the one, there's a few that I didn't recognise, and then the one that really stuck out to me was a quote from an abortion survivor. And that, that was kind of unusual. <laughs> That's uh, one of the most unusual review quotes I've ever seen in a trailer. Well, I, I suspect this is because the premise of the film is all about, um, I think, oh, Hannah is, is her name, uh, is, look, I think she's going, I, I don't really know, but from what I can gather, she's going off to try and find her parents. She's obviously adopted or some nonsense like that. Uh, sorry, uh, it's not nonsense, <laughs> but in, in context of this trailer. Yes, in the context <laughs> of the subtleties of this film, <laughs> yeah. it is nonsense. It's basically anti-abortion propaganda, and I'd love to know who financed this film. Um, it actually got me quite annoyed because mm. um, it just seems to be it's going to be two hours representing the most narrow way of viewing the world and yeah. really close minded well, this is an interesting thing as well this is directed this had two directors the um, oh I can't read my writing again they're brothers Andrew and John <laughs> right but they're in the bible um, they might be yeah, um, yeah and We'll come on to that in a minute as to why having two directors is a bit a bit weird. But um, one of the things for me which um, really annoyed me was the music they were playing over the top of it. It was very much like that sort of schmaltzy twaddle you get over the life story of the contestants on The X Factor. <laughs> um, yes. Well, I think it's probably going to be going for those really obvious, easy, emotional beats that those TV shows go for. Um because it is propaganda, that's what it's trying to do. Yeah. I mean, abortion is a really important topic that yes. deserves discussing and debating in an intelligent manner. That's not what this film is about, at least going off on the trailer. It's not about uh, raising the discussion, talking about it, looking at it from all angles. It's looking at it from one angle, uh, which, in my opinion, is the I mean, stupid angle. Yeah, well, to be honest, I didn't really read that much into it because <laughs> I got bored of it halfway through. It yeah. was uh, Andrew and John Irwin, the uh, directors. Anyway, um... As uh, just as finishing a high note with it though, we are treated to one uh, nice quote about "Every life is beautiful." Yeah, isn't that nice? Anyway, so what did you give this? Um, well, for the first time in the trailer park, I gave it an angry face. All oh, right, I gave it a big sad face. That is a big sad face <laughs> yeah. with no eyes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, don't see that film. Um, yeah. Even if you are anti-abortion, um, you should probably try and make a better film than that one. <laughs> so moving on to our last trailer park film, which is Jeff. Another film directed by two directors. Really? Yeah. yeah. This was Jay Duplis and Mark Duplis, I think. Now the question is, is it called Jeff Who Lives at Home, or is it Jeff Colon Who Lives at Home? And that's not Jeff Colon. Oh. Well, not as in that's his surname. Oh, right, okay. As in, you know, this is like the first in the series. I think it's Jeff Comma Who Lives at Home. So they could do a sequel, which is Jeff Who Went Out the Door. Yeah, they could do. Jeff Who Goes to Work yeah. Five Days a Week. Yeah, unlike Jeff in this movie, who appears to do nothing and has trouble interacting with the real world. Yeah, although you don't actually in the trailer really ever see him at home, which is a bit weird. Yeah, well, maybe they're leaving all the best stuff. Yeah, could be false advertising, yeah. if you ask me. Well, it looks like a not very funny comedy style. <laughs> yes. uh, which for a comedy Jason is a Siegel, bit of a yeah, yeah, Jason Segel, who seems to be a bit of a, uh, a comedy film um, hot um, property at the minute. But he just doesn't seem very funny in this film. No, um, it, it seems to be like the film where the comedian actor tries to do more acting than comedy. Um, like when you know, Bill Murray went off and did Lost in Translation, and that, that kind of approach, yeah. uh, trying to do this kind of big important film. But hmm. 
it's so earnest all yeah. the way through the trailer. I, I think it's also meant to have hilarious consequences, but I can't Possibly. see where they're going to come from. No, no. Um, yeah, it, it's so determined to be life-changing. Um, and all the dialogue is this kind of meaningless, pseudo-philosophical bilge water. Mm. It's just, it doesn't actually mean anything. It's the kind of dialogue that sounds like it's important, but says nothing. Mm. Or at least there's something incredibly obvious. I'm not going to see this film. No? No. <laughs> Should we start talking about it? Yes. Yeah. Sad face. Sad face and me. Not quite as big as a sad face or October waste of time baby. But still, it's quite a big sad face anyway. Um, so, of the uh, five trailers there, um, what would you like to convert into a film? Well, kicking off, I thought it was going to be the most depressing trailer park of yeah. all time because I hated all the trailers. But the Michael revelation about what it's about uh, transformed that trailer. So, yeah. actually, I'm... I'm intrigued by that now. Yeah, so our film of the week is a film about a German paedophile. Yeah, which, you know, says a lot about the trailers this week. <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh, moving on to our feature presentation, uh, a film called Haywire, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Yes, uh, Steven Soderbergh, he's made loads of films. Yes, a lot of them are quite good. Yes, uh, Haywire. A lot of them are quite exciting. Yes, yes, very, quite varied as well. Mm. He's done sci-fi, he's done sort of serious thriller, he's done the Ocean's Eleven ridiculous thrillers. Yep. Um, so he can kind of jump around genres quite a bit. Yep. Uh, Haywire seems to have come under the radar a bit I wasn't really aware of it very much um, I think I may have seen one trailer or something about it um, on TV or something like that but um, that trailer seemed quite different yes. to what the film was I wonder if we trailer parked it a long time ago we may have done, you never know yeah, we should look through the archives <laughs> we, we ought to, yeah Yes. Um, so yes, this uh, is a spy thriller um, following a spy who is cast out by her agency and is essentially betrayed and on the run a bit. Mallory, as played by Gina Carano. Yes. Um, and she basically is trying to get her revenge and figure out what's going on and, and sort all the wrongs that have been done to her. Um, essentially, it's the same plot as Mission Impossible 4, just without the nuke stuff. But it's incredibly hard, well-trained spies get chucked out into the cold and then have to fend for themselves. Um, but the approach is slightly different. Mm. Uh, we spent a lot of time last episode talking about how Mission Impossible gets increasingly ridiculous yes. throughout its running time. Uh, Haywire takes the exact opposite approach and is obsessed with making spy stuff seem really mundane. Yeah, like the gadgets they were using uh, weren't particularly super high tech. I mean, they had bugging and tracking devices, but they looked fairly bulky and not particularly yeah. uh, useful. And the the fight scenes in it were, uh, I thought, were particularly realistic. Um, compared with a lot of fight scenes you, you tend to see which are well well over the top. Um, that's not like Neighbours just move, he's in the gate next door. Doesn't know we're recording important <laughs> podcasts here. So. Um, but I think the reason why uh, the fight scenes look pretty convincing is because Gina Carano is actually a ultimate fighter kind uh, of, of lady. Is who, she indeed? Yeah, she was in the American Gladiators as well. <laughs> that's one of the gladiators. Uh, okay. So that's obviously why she looks fairly handy when doing the fight scenes. Yeah, well, I think that was a very good move casting her from that point of view, certainly, because the fighting is amazing. Yes. I've never seen anything quite like it. And it's kind of. Uh, it's all believable, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's enhanced because of the mundane style of the film. And when I say mundane, I don't actually mean that in a bad way necessarily. Um, everything is so unshowy. Like the, the polar opposite of Mission Impossible, which is all about being ridiculous and over the top and mm. running along skyscrapers and stuff like that. This, when people have a fight, it's just in a in a bedroom having a scrap. There's no showy camera work. It's just happening in front of the camera with very little kind of camera trickery or anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you can't disguise it. It has to be a good looking fight. Yeah. It would also explain why 
um, a lot of the, the stunts which Gina Carano did um, looked like it was her doing them because I suspect she was given her background. Yes, exactly. Although we should say that a lot of the uh, rest of the cast did a pretty good job as well. Yeah, well Ewan McGregor was in it. He, um, I, I don't think he really called in much of a uh, outstanding performance really no he was sort of doing his Ewan McGregor with an American accent thing yeah, that he which, does every so often yeah which isn't that good no uh, Michael Fassbender wasn't it yep yeah, well obviously because he's just in every film at the moment but mm. he's excellent as he tends to be yeah Kirk Douglas wasn't it Kirk Douglas well in a way what did you mean his... well, through his son yes okay yeah parts of Kirk <laughs> yeah, Douglas were yeah. in the film I yes. did mean Michael Douglas <laughs> yeah um, that is the one I mean isn't it yes yeah. indeed uh, Antonio Banderas Yes, the, uh, looking a bit rough. Yeah, yeah, he's getting on a bit. I think that's probably deliberate as well. You think that's um, makeup? Otherwise, there's going to be a lot of ladies out there whose hearts are going to be broken. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's always puss in boots. But yeah, it's an intriguing film. I think going back to the mundanity of the whole thing, uh, the scene that really stuck out for me is when there's this kind of high, high stakes, really tense chase through the streets and it's of Dublin kind of, wasn't it yes of Dublin and it's the kind of thing you see in like a million James Bond films except rather than being in like BMWs and crashing off skyscrapers and then running through markets and knocking over stalls and this kind of stuff they're just sort of walking past HMV they know it's yeah. W.H. Smith over there um, but I actually found that kind of intriguing because you've got these shoppers just going about the business they're not being disrupted by James Bond running all over the place like a madman they haven't, they're completely oblivious about what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but we're following the spies going about their yeah. highly dangerous business. Now, it's quite interesting to talk about how you like that particular scene. Now, a lot of times when uh, these films are shot in these cities and stuff, they're usually done as like a, a, a touristy board kind yes. of... Hence look Mission at, Impossible. Look at the wonderful <laughs> things we have in our city. Why didn't you come here? Well, look at our wonderful skyscraper. Isn't this brilliant? Uh, what I found with the Dublin sequence was I didn't really think it was quite a place to actually want to go to. So I wonder if um, the Irish tourist board were hoping for something to make Dublin look slightly nicer yes, as I opposed if to just any uh, normal sort of a British kind yeah, of Yeah, you do wonder if, if they watched Ocean's Eleven and, we, and went, oh, we've got to get this guy. Look what he's going to do to us. Yeah. Make us look really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was the exact opposite. I mean, whereas Bond and Mission Impossible, they go to exotic locations and, you know, in Mission Impossible, for example, they go to the biggest skyscraper and clamber all over it. Yeah. They go to India and they go to amazing palaces and, and this kind and of thing. wonderful car parks. Yes, exactly. And, you know, the... the the main, the Kremlin in Russia and all this kind of stuff. They they go to all the tourist points basically, as you said. In this, they just go to the high street. Yeah. They they still go to exotic locations. You know, they go to Spain, they go to, uh, well, Ireland and uh, other places. Um, America. Yes, Mallorca. Mallorca, yeah. yeah. New Mexico. Yes, They're all over the place. Um, so all the ingredients are exactly the same as like a Bond film or a Mission Impossible film, yeah. but then it's it's done completely different style. And a lot of that I loved. I think certainly in the fight sequences it was brilliant um, and a lot of the tense action bits and pieces where it was so underplayed it, it worked really well and it just felt fresh and different but that kind of understated tone also meant that it never really got me I didn't yeah. have an emotional reaction to the film at all no um, yeah this is something I was just going to come on to was even though there are lots of good bits in the film as a film I don't think it really works that well because the bits joining up the exciting um, parts of the film are just too plodding you're sort of just watching it going mm, right, we know where we're going to go we sort of know we're going to get to this particular scene it's, it's a fairly predictable plot it's nothing new yeah uh, it's you know if you've seen any any spy thriller really you can get a bit of an idea as to where this is going uh, 
I thought the music didn't help. It started out really good. Um, yes. It's done in a very um, 60s, 70s, detective men from uncle kind of style of music. And at the start of the film, it did sort of help draw you into what was going on. But by the uh, end of the 80 minutes, 90 minutes or so, whatever it was, it was just so repetitive that mm. it was just too much. And that was distracting for me. And just the, the plodding between the scenes just seemed to be... Um, it took away from the film, unfortunately. Yeah. I think that cause it wasn't so much that it was slow-paced. I mean, it was, but that isn't inherently a bad thing, necessarily. The problem is that during the slow parts, there wasn't really much character to mm. get your teeth into. Um, so the lead character, it's not that the lead actress was in any way bad, but the character just isn't really developed. You just know she's a super hard, yeah. highly trained spy. But that's, that's it. Is that then, you know, because oh, I did, did that thing when I started a sense, I said, you know, I hate doing that. Really? I do apologise. Well, I don't know, so carry on. All right, okay. Um, I think the reason for that is because Gina Carano, who's obviously come from the uh, martial arts, uh, stroke American Gladiators background, hasn't really had a lot of acting experience, so couldn't really hold those scenes where you really want to be getting, I say, getting to know the character. Um, yeah, possibly, but I mean that's maybe why they surrounded her with really, really good actors. But that didn't really help. And intriguing characters, but no, I don't think it did because they were very much sort of bit parts in a way. Mm. You know, they they come in and out of the story very quickly, uh, so you couldn't really even bounce off them to mm. get into it. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a really fascinating experiment of a film. Mm. Um, I've never really seen anything quite like it. And I think there's there's certainly a mid-ground to reach between this kind of style and the ridiculous over-the-top nature of other spy thrillers. Yes. Um, which I know you said was kind of where the Bourne films landed. Yeah, I think Bourne has very much come between the ridiculously crazy Mission Impossible uh, and, and Haywire. It's it's what you're really looking for in a mm-hmm. sort of modern-day take on the spy thrillers. I mean, uh, there's no... You can't really take Bond into that because Bond really has a genre and a style all of its own. It's his own little thing. And I think the Daniel Craig Bonds have been trying to move away from what Bond is, uh, which is what has built its audience up over the past few years, and to try and be more Bond-like. If you want to watch Bond, you watch Bond. If you want to watch Bond, you watch Bond. You don't watch Bond to watch Bond, and you're not born to Bond. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's almost deep. Mm. Um, So Haywire, would you recommend it? I'm conflicted. I would recommend it if you have one of these online streaming services where you get it as part of a bundle. I probably wouldn't recommend somebody to go see it in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's such an an uncinematic film, mm. which I know sounds like an insult to a film, <laughs> um, but again, I don't mean it like that. It's very deliberately and consciously yes. not going for a big cinema-style mm. uh, display. Um, so it will work quite happily on anything you watch it on and in fact it's so underplayed that on a TV or small screens it, it, it could actually work, work yeah. a lot better yeah yeah. so it's not a bad film it's just not a good film yes it is, it's kind of it's an interesting film which is possibly damning it with fate praise <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah but the fights are excellent yes. I can certainly say that yeah so um, that's it uh, nothing else this week so you can get about six minutes of your half hour you normally set aside to listen to us rattle on uh, you can get it back to do something exciting, useful with. Yes, and life-changing. Yeah, and incredibly important. 
Yes, and if you do manage to change your life during the next six minutes you have after uh, us cutting this short, assuming we do and don't go long, why not email the show and let us know what you've done to change someone's life? That'd because be great. we love listening from all your listeners who always get in contact with us. Yes, yeah, so many of you out there. Yeah. It's wonderful. Wonderful. So, uh, contact details will be stuck on after the credits. Um, well, they are the credits, actually. So, there we go. Uh, so, until next time, it's goodbye. Goodbye. Don't watch October Baby. Bye. If you'd like to contact us, you can email Simon and Wayne at spiffingreview.com, follow us on Twitter at spiffingreview, or visit our website at spiffingreview.com. Spiffing Review is an It's a Trap production.